Hi, my name is Munir Zekra and I'm listening to Culture Matters with Chris Smith. Build your cultural confidence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural fails and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters on International Business. Your host, Chris Smith, has a plan. A plan for people who are looking for a solution. He makes you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. Every episode, he interviews a prominent guest who will tell you his or her story and share international experiences, making you more cultural competent. And now, here's your host, Chris Smith. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening and wherever you're listening. My name is Chris Smith and you're listening to the Culture Matters Podcast. We are on episode number 106, 106. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, then this would be an excellent moment to do so. Uh, just pause this, go and subscribe. And while you're at it, give a rating as well. That would be really appreciated. Uh, and then get back to the um, recording, the interview for this week. Munir Azegra. Munir is the founder of IWannaBurnFat.com. I Wanna Burn Fat provides evidence-based training and nutrition information to the fitness community. With the use of scientific research and logic, he has helped thousands of people improve the way they look and feel. He's also a second-generation Moroccan living in the Netherlands. Having a multicultural upbringing gives him a unique ability to coach individuals from different cultures. And we do talk about fitness, um, and we do talk about, I think, very interesting things, whereby uh, he compares, where Munir compares his fitness experience in the Netherlands versus that in the uh, country, his home country of Morocco. I'll check that out, check that out as well. He does give some, uh, some inter- interesting tips on how to start uh, your whole fitness adventure, should you want to, and then we also segue into the subject of how it is to be the second generation um, immigrant if you want where the first generation are your parents who are from the old world and you yourself are with one leg in that old world but also in that new world well that's enough introduction let's get right to the interview it's time for this week's guest at culture matters hi munir good morning good morning chris how are you doing uh i'm doing fine thank you um or it's actually it's it's good afternoon Good afternoon. Uh, right. Yes. Good afternoon. We are yes. in the same in the same time zone. We're recording this on uh, August 20, uh, 2018, yeah. and it's nine minutes t- uh, past twelve. We're both in the same time zone, but still, I'd like to know where you are. I have more or less of an idea where you are. Yes. Um, no. I'm- tell us a little <laughs> bit about yourself, who you are, what you do in life, uh, or what do you just what do you do to stay out of trouble, um, and uh, just a little bit of background about yourself, please. Yes. Yes, no, for sure. Um, so I'm Munir Azegra, 21 years old, uh, currently living in Utrecht, or Utrecht, as we would say it uh, in the Netherlands. And uh, so basically, I'm, a, uh, I'm the founder of IWannaBurnFat.com. That's a uh, website and a blog that provides evidence-based fitness information to basically the masses. Uh, what I've done from the beginning is to try to target a worldwide audience. Uh-huh. So I haven't really uh, went for a niche. I just started writing about fitness, about the stuff I like and was hoping that people would start reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it did. Uh, I, I started on Instagram and was able to grow quite a large following on that platform. And from there on was able to um, excel in other areas of business as well, just because I had a large audience um, looking at my work, essentially. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so I, your website is called I Wanna Burn Fat. So it's a very popular um, slangish uh, uh, way of, of, of putting it. I want to burn fat. I want to burn fat. Yes. Um, and indeed, this is how I actually uh, met you. Well, met you in, in the virtual sense, that is. Yeah. Um, being a uh, uh, an over-enthusiastic fitness fan myself, um, and the fact that, and that's the reason why you're here as well. So giving the audience a little bit of a, of a context as well, because your, um, your background is Moroccan, yes. right? Uh, from the African continent and you are second generation Moroccan living in the Netherlands. You are indeed, indeed. like you said yourself, quite successful on Instagram. I think, but what is the last count? Uh, 127,000 followers you have there. 124, but hopefully we'll get to 27 quite soon. <laughs> okay. All right. And um, the distinction with what, the, I mean, there's so much on social media. Everybody knows that, right? Um, yeah. And the, the, the distinction, what you do is very typical. Um, you do scientific-based uh, blurbs, if you want, on on fitness, on all kind of fitness-related stuff. Yes, how did you, exactly. How did you get there? I mean, what... I was going to say, what's wrong with you? No, what's actually what's what's right with you? How do you how do you do that? Yeah, no, that's pretty funny because uh, when I started with working out, there was so much contradicting information. Yeah. Like uh, I was starting to Google, like what should I eat to build muscle or yeah. lose fat, and I'd get all types of contradicting information. Yes. So then uh, I actually started thinking about it rationally, like okay, uh, what are the highest forms of evidence we have on what are the best methods to uh, obtain a certain goal that we have yeah well uh there has been a large body of scientific research done uh which follows the scientific methods which is kind of uh the general consensus that that's probably the highest form of evidence that we have when it comes to uh like anything so and what what is that according to you what what they, is that highest highest body or level of, of of evidence yeah essentially having a for example, a randomized controlled trial having a hypothesis right. and then controlling all of the variables in order to test that one variable, whether that's true or not. Yeah. Um, we can go off on, on uh, personal experience and uh, uh, preferences and all that stuff, but at the end of the day, that's not really the most objective way to test a uh, hypothesis. So sure. the, the way I thought about it was that, hey, we have all this work. Uh, uh, which has been done like in conjunction with uh, many professionals who have the practical experience in fitness. Mm -hmm. So I was like, let's just start uh, reading scientific research. Let's just start uh, following applied uh, sports nutrition and uh, sports physiology courses with yeah. in combination with my personal training program, just so that I can gain the knowledge yeah. and the scientific literacy, uh, essentially to start writing about it. And when I started writing, it was more of a, learn as you go type of thing yeah uh and, and the more i did it the more i learned and the better i became at it and the more successful i want to fed became uh basically so how long have you been doing this because your your first your first uh, um, platform was that instagram uh it was i had a blog post or just a blog that's where i started just yeah. i want to um but soon i found out like nobody just goes on a site randomly yeah. or so yeah. uh that's why I decided to, hey, I need to go on social media just so I can promote my brand and hopefully grow on social media so that I can take people to the site. Yep. Uh, and that's when I started Instagram. And from there on, it uh, went well, basically. 
It, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're you're not like Britney Spears yet, I guess. I don't, but still, 124,000 followers is quite significant, um, indeed. The the whole this whole we're going to talk about in this podcast about two things. One is your business. I want to burn fat.com, and the other part is well, you personally being the second generation um, uh, Moroccan as you are living in the Netherlands. How is that for you? But first, I want to uh, dive more into into the business that you do. This yeah. whole this whole fitness um, uh, industry, if you, I guess it's an industry because it's a billion dollar industry. I mean, first we get uh, well fat or uh, overweight, and then we have to lose it all. So it it swings both ways, really. Um, yeah, it, it's dominated by the United States, very U.S. dominated, I guess. Um, are you very much an exception doing this, being a Dutchman? Uh, actually, not because I've also, for example, I've written a book. And uh, 50% of my customers are uh, from the United States, and yeah. I believe like 50% come from Canada. So that's quite a big chunk. Uh, 65% of my sales come from North America. Yeah. Um, and I think that's uh, just normal because that's probably the uh, uh, main area that is like active in the fitness industry is in North America. Uh-huh. So I think it's, it's quite normal that you're probably going to be uh, exposed to mostly like North Americans when you're going to be starting in a in the fitness industry and starting to be worldwide from the onset. Yeah. Because when I started, it wasn't quite clear that I was Dutch because I just started writing in uh, English. Yes, and uh, nobody saw your face. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that's like precisely why uh, I think that it's just the people that come across your post randomly and that's just on your on the Instagram feed. Yeah. Uh, and when it's written in English. Probably also like the Instagram algorithms and and uh, Google SEO will like take more English talking people towards your content just yeah. because that's the language. So I yeah. think it's just a um, if you decide to do it all in English, you're probably going to be exposed to that, which uh, is quite logical, I, I'd yeah. say. Yeah, uh, but then again, are there like any uh, any uh, Thai or Japanese uh, uh, fitness gurus like yourself? I mean, calling you a fitness guru or some somebody who is at least um, is making a living uh, or at least is very popular in in the in the fitness business. Are there any like Asians doing this or Indians or I don't know? Yeah, and I think that the fitness industry has become quite interesting that each country is growing its own industry at, at this point. Like mm-hmm. we have also Dutch fitness gurus who are very popular here in the Netherlands, but nobody knows them outside. Uh, I don't, I don't uh, even know the them. I'm, I only live in Belgium, so it's I live around <laughs> the corner. So give me some of the names of the, of the Dutch gurus. So uh, just off the top of my head, uh, we have, for example, um, i got to remember his name, Anthony Kruijver. Okay. Uh, th- that's one uh, person who is doing uh, very good uh, in the Netherlands. I have a fellow, uh, um, someone from Moroccan origin as well, uh-huh. uh, who has more like comedy type with fitness content. Uh, they call him uh, Mo Bicep, so Mo, Mo Bicep. Essentially, his name is Mohammed, and uh-huh. has a bit, he has large biceps. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, multiple of, of like uh, these types of guys who, uh, and also some girls who don't have like millions of followers, but they can make quite good of, of, of a living out of it just because it's uh, the industry is large enough uh, for people to basically uh, reach a, an audience that's large enough to, you know, make something yeah, out yeah, of yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and would you know of any Asian uh, influencers in this, in this business? Um, there are, and they oftentimes are in a kind of similar situation as me is that they uh, have, uh, for example, their second generation 
uh, uh, Chinese or Taiwanese or something like that, where they right. live in America and they make something out of it. Uh, but I've also seen, which is just a random hobby of mine, is uh, there are like a lot of uh, Indian fitness gurus who are just for India. And there are also some Chinese fitness gurus who do chi like fitness just for China. So um, I think it, they are there, but we don't really know them just because they're not, uh, we are not their niche, uh, yep. basically. Yeah, they yeah, I understand. target other people. Yeah, they don't, they don't, they do not get on our radar screen, so to speak. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, is the is the approach if you would know the answer to this is the approach in India different towards this fitness industry and is it different in China for the Chinese market as compared to for instance if you want the Western market where you are part of? Mm, uh, it's hard to tell, but I, I can see that being the case. Um, just because you know, uh, like culturally as well, we have a certain set of beliefs and, and values that we share with each other, and I think that. Uh, in another country, like those beliefs are a bit different. So mm -hmm. in order to um, be able to relate to someone, you need to also be able to relate to those beliefs that person has. And uh, when it comes to culture, for example, a lot of it also has to do with food. So, uh, you know, I think that it, it's, it probably is different. Uh, but what I've noticed just from my business, because I have a coaching side uh, of my business as well, mm -hmm. where I've, I've coached people from India, uh, Indonesia, France, like all... Uh, different areas in the that's world. That's an online feature that you offer, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes, it's an on. online feature. Yeah. And uh, what I've noticed is that even though um, the way to communicate and uh, the way they want to achieve the goals are different, um, what we kind of share with each other is that we all don't like having lower belly fat or we all want bigger biceps. And so that's is, the is, funny Is that part. the cultural neutral thing? Have I finally found the cultural <laughs> neutral thing? Big biceps and, and, and the six pack. That's what we all want. <laughs> I, like, uh, I've obviously only had like maybe 70, 80 clients uh, up until now. So my uh, uh, end of 80, you know, that's not a huge uh, sample size. Uh -huh. But uh, from what I've seen, like I haven't come across anybody uh, saying, hey, I got this lower belly fat. I want more of it. Right. Uh, so no, no. <laughs> I, th I think that's the, that may be the neutral, uh, culturally neutral uh, factor. Right. Okay. Now, now um, um, moving on a little bit uh, on on this uh, on the fitness and the food side because that borders nicely to to cultural and cultural differences. The um, the fact that the the um, apps are made in the kitchen, as they say, right? Yeah, yeah, so, mostly. I, I'd agree. So, is it, have you come across any clients? I guess in the Western world, we are more and more and more coming, becoming aware that it's not low fat that we need to eat, but, and that carbs are, well, not the enemy enemy, but they're, we're eating too many of those empty carbs. So to see the, the sodas, the, um, uh, the, the French fries, potatoes and stuff like that. Um, have you come across any, uh, say, Indians or, uh, or other Asians that say, no, I have to eat my rice, I have to eat my chapati, I, I, I cannot do without that? Have you come across those? Yes, no, I have. And, and oftentimes, like, the approach I take is more of a flexible approach so that they can, uh, uh, like, the, I'd say my coaching process is quite culturally neutral in the sense that you can, you know, uh, take it uh, and tweak it to your lifestyle, essentially, and I'm looking with you how you can tweak it to your lifestyle. But I've come across, uh, and this was in particular an Indian client um, who was talking about all these Indian recipes who, that are quite high in calories. And he's like, but we eat this every day uh, and I can't not eat this every day. 
Um, so what we then looked into is just decreasing the portion sizes, but that is something that I come across. Uh, but when it comes to the to the point of carbs and nutrition for just fat loss overall, mm -hmm. um, I'd say that it's um, more flexible than many people think. Mm. Like there there is a consensus about that we probably are eating, like you said, too too much uh, empty carbs. You know, and I, I'd call it more non-filling carbs that are easy okay. to overeat on. Um, but I think overall, even if someone has a certain way of eating with yeah. small tweaks, that can be oftentimes uh, handled quite well. So the, that side of, of cultural eating hasn't really been a uh, drawback that I've seen. How do you convince those people to uh, to do what you want to, to do for them to follow what you want to say? What what's what your advice? How do you get them them to do what you want? What they have to do really? Yeah, and I think that's uh, something that's quite hard. I think that's my main job as a coach in order to get you to do what you need to do to achieve that goal. And uh, the approach I found most easy with that is to meet you where you currently are mm -hmm. and then we move from there on. Instead of me telling you, hey, this is the best thing for you to do and you just need to follow it. Mm -hmm. um, I've tried that. Oftentimes that doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, what, we, what I think more coaches should be doing is to just look at what the client currently is doing. What are the good things about that? What are maybe the drawbacks of it? And how can we minimize the drawbacks right. while you know, considering the overall lifestyle. And slowly, slowly chisel away at the, at, if, if they're drinking soda, okay, drink one soda less, for instance. Yes, Rather exactly. than starting with a completely new diet there. Yes. No, okay. if someone has like a very high carb uh, Asian diet, going ketogenic the day after, uh, yeah. like a very low carb diet, that probably won't be uh, uh, realistic. Yeah, yeah. True, 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 true. All right. Um, is, 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 um, Something I've I've been doing recently as well. It's I I am a member of it's a fitness chain. Uh, I think it's Dutch origin. It's called Basic Fit, yes. and um, they are in the Netherlands, in Belgium, in France, uh, in Spain, um, and I've done a couple in I've done uh, in France. I've been in Belgium, in the Netherlands, um, and I've been to to play uh, to Madrid and lately in Bilbao as well. What's your experience? If you do you work out across the world, is there is that difference? Is, is the approach difference? That, that's fine because I recently went to Morocco for a, a vacation and I worked there, work out there uh, uh, in Morocco. Yeah. And what's interesting is that here in the Netherlands, we're very individual. Like I get to the gym, I perform my workout, and I go home. Yes. Uh, whereas in Morocco, everyone gets in the gym, goes to the teacher. And they call the teacher by, uh, they, they say, hello, teacher, uh, Mohammed, for example. Yeah. And they say, tell him, so what should I do today? And they're completely reliant on the teacher showing them what to do. Okay. Uh, so th that, that's one interesting uh, observation. And I think it also has a bit to do with uh, hierarchy, just yeah, because uh, the, the teacher probably has more experience in coaching and, and probably knows more uh, than the trainee. Yeah. So they acknowledge that and be like, hey, I need your help just because you need to know more. Whereas I think here in the Netherlands, we kind of oftentimes like to think we know uh, that, that we know. The Dutch, absolutely. <laughs> they know it all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> From birth onwards. Uh, uh, and I'm, I'm exactly the same way. Like I, I first will fail before I uh, ask okay. for help. Uh, 
and I think you know each one that that's no right or wrong. It's just it's just different. Of course, history. of course, of course. So how how did you how did you feel being um the, you're not half Moroccan, you're fully Moroccan, but you I mean you grown up and born in the Netherlands. How was that for you? I mean, being in a context you 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 know somewhat. I'm talking about your fitness experience in Morocco. How is that for you? Is if you or how do people look at you there? That's funny. That's um, like. When when you're basically this is like a common saying uh, when it comes to to Moroccans who live in the Netherlands, it's like when you're in the Netherlands, you um, you feel like you're Dutch, uh, but you're always like a bit Moroccan. Yeah, and that's like that will never go away. Sure. And when you're in uh, Morocco, it's like actually the complete opposite. Like you're actually Dutch, and you I also feel Dutch just because I'm different. Yeah. Uh, but you're still like you're you're kind of Moroccan still, you know, it, yeah. it, it, it's, it's, it comes with that as well. Uh, but what I like about having like a multicultural background is yeah. I've also grown up in a multicultural neighborhood is that for me, it's quite easy to make that cultural shift and to understand uh, cultural differences in which I see something that's different. Yeah. I'm not necessarily judging it because I've um, experienced many different types of uh, behaviors that are based on culture. So I think that has helped tremendously. Mm. Uh, just just being someone from a uh, Moroccan background who lives in a different country uh, and also like growing up with two different cultures, that that's probably something that will um, help understand like cultural differences a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I think it's a very interesting uh, discussion how you can actually get from I want to burn fat into uh, uh, the, a hierarchical uh, difference that you can actually see in Morocco where where um, fitness geeks in Morocco go to the teacher to, to for the teacher to tell them what to do, how to get a flat belly and big biceps, like you said. Um, yes. Yes, very much. Now, are you... Um, that's a, a tiny bit of context, because I want to use this segue towards um, your multicultural background as well. Um, yeah. In the Netherlands, there uh, there is a decent population of Moroccan background. And in the public domain, if I, if I put it like that, uh, and I, I, I do want to put this in, in um, with the best intentions, in the public domain, people with a Moroccan background do not get the best rep at least not by the by the public at large okay i'm not saying anything about any individuals as such yes are you because i mean demographically you're you're part of that that moroccan group are you different from your peers because you do this you do the i want to burn fat um you um you have your your business there you're also a, a, an economy um student or actually finished you've got your bachelor in in economics you're yes. about to start a master uh, uh on um, well business and uh, some sort of mba but on a master's level are you different from from your your peer group uh, like it's it's hard to answer that question just because i think that a lot of it has to do with the environment that uh the people have been in so I've, for example, I've uh, I've grown up and still live there in uh, Canale Island. That's uh -huh. known as like a, a, a rough Dutch neighborhood, but you know what's rough in the Netherlands? Yeah. Is, you know, it's 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 very good, yes. uh, I, sh I should say. Um, and but what I see is that it's just um, people from like the socially lower classes uh, put together without much future perspective, and they also not seeing much future perspective and not really. Uh, uh, being able to grasp the opportunities that they have in this right. like, in the Netherlands, um, and that that basically results in the uh, negative consequences mm. that we oftentimes see in the uh, um, 
just the overall like Moroccan population here in the Netherlands. Yeah. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that has something to do with them. Uh, and I th like I think most people agree with them just being Moroccan, but more in the situation they're in mm. and not really seeing uh, the bigger picture just because of how the environment is set. Like I, I live here, I, I see it. It's just more of a um, we're, we're not going to make it anyway type of like feeling. And I think that's something... a, a negative feeling. I mean, it's these are your peer groups talking about themselves. You know, we are second class citizens or something, and that's what they they keep repeating that to themselves, which yes. in the end makes them second class citizens if any, anything like that exists. Yeah, it's more of a self fulfilling prophecy, like you could right. call it. Um, and I think that's like the the most important aspect of it, just the in, them being in a quite of a negative environment. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the end of the day, like it's. It comes to the individual, like the individual can make the difference. Right. And what I had uh, a lot of luck is that I had a set of great parents right. uh, with with great family who just set me straight. And they're like, no, like you have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, this is what's up. And uh, you actually have a lot of opportunities here. Yeah. And you don't really have to um, like go over major uh, uh, obstacles in order to achieve them. All you need to do is to give it your best. And then you can basically like do anything you yeah, like yeah. here in the Netherlands. Yeah. And that's what I did. That's what I realized from a uh, young age. And I just went for it. And you kind of know uh, how accomplishment feels. Once you accomplish one small thing, you'd like to accomplish another. And yeah. you just keep going on and on. Uh, and this may be something a lot of them are missing. Uh, but I think it has to do with just the parents being uh, uh, not as knowing yeah. Uh, being not as educated, uh, not knowing about the opportunities. Like, it, it's funny to me how um, little they, uh, some, some, and I like talk in general sense, sure. but uh, how some not really know, um, like the simple opportunities that we have in here, just because it's like, it's, it's not apparent for them. So mm. uh, I think that has a lot to do with it, but there is like a great, great um, uh, development going on in which I see a lot more of my Moroccan peers, as you would call it, mm -hmm. uh, just taking school a lot more seriously. Okay. Uh, whenever I go to the university, like I, 2% of the population is in the Netherlands is, is Moroccan, like mm -hmm. uh, roughly. Yeah. Uh, but it, to me, it feels like 30% of the university students come from a Moroccan background. Mm. And that in itself, like that's um, quite positive, I, I would say. That, that isn't something that just comes out of, out of nothing. So there is for sure a great development going on, uh, but like any change and shift, it just takes time. Uh, but yeah. as long as, as Moroccan people uh, in the Netherlands remain on like the socially lower classes, mm -hmm. I don't really think that it's a Moroccan thing, but more of a just the uh, people who are like lower socially, uh, if I can call it that, yeah. uh, that they will always have it a bit harder than the rest to, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, achieve excellence. As, as from a Dutchman to a Dutchman, uh, that's for you speaking to me, me, me talking to you. Um, I'm curious because we speak, you, you are quite direct in terms of, you know, addressing lower social classes and words like that. 
I'm curious what Americans actually would think about this, because I think in the United States that would be a very tricky thing to do in terms of being politically correct, uh, which is a concept that the Dutch don't have at all, <laughs> and, and our sensitivity towards that. Um, I've, I've got two questions um, yes. where, about what you just explained. Were You said a lot of the, uh, you, had, you were lucky you had very great parents. Uh, yes. And is, are your 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 parents are first generation Moroccans. They actually they they came from Morocco to the Netherlands. Are they different from like the average Moroccan already? Uh, like I, I don't know. I wouldn't really call it that. They the way they seem to me they're like typical uh, uh, Moroccans. Just uh, they love the culture. Family is uh -huh. very important. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know whether this is just that the um, maybe they. Uh, just figured out quite quickly just the opportunities that we have here in the Netherlands and uh, pass it along to me. Right. Um, you know, it, it's kind of hard to to extrapolate what they were thinking and passing it on to me. Yeah. But I just think that they were quite um, sure about what they uh, would want to pass me on and did that yeah, quite yeah. well yeah. and got me on the right path. And you picked it up quite well. If if they... If they, if you show them, you look, look, mom, I've got 124,000 followers on Instagram. What does she say? Like, duh, or it's like <laughs> fantastic, or how does that work? Yeah, no, it's it's like it's great, but you know, make something out of it. You know, that's that's kind of the, okay. the response uh, because like even my friends, when I tell them, hey, you know, I have uh, 124,000 Instagram followers or something like that, you know, I don't go around uh, no, saying no, no, like no, that. No. In, in the Netherlands, you don't <laughs> yes. do that. No. <laughs> but say for example i would do that it's the response oftentimes would be like okay yeah that's really cool really impressive but uh that in itself like it's what about what you do with it yeah. so uh I, i'm much more proud for example of the fact that i've uh, been able to coach so many people successfully yeah. and uh write a book like those are the types of things that uh probably make my parents and also the people just around me more proud yeah. than uh The Instagram following itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Great answer as well. Uh, and the other question I had around that is, um, uh, since you're so successful, are you teaching and preaching not your your subject, but are you telling your 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 friends around you like you can do this? Also, you can do this. You can do this. Are you pushing them as well, or is it like no? Don't, just don't leave leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a great question. I think that uh, what I try to do is I try to uh, and I'm. This is something I got from my parents as well. I'm quite selective of the people I just keep around me okay. uh, because I uh, just would like to have more positive-minded people yep. that are kind of on the same path as me around me just because I think that has an effect on me as well. Yeah. Um, and because of that, uh, I already like naturally have people around me that kind of uh, would do what I would think is right. good you yep. know, because I'm just myself in everyday life. And uh, because of that... I've been able to attract people who are like me and can handle my uh, personality yeah. basically because everyone has flaws uh, yeah. and I have people around me that can handle those. Yeah. So uh, I think that's more of a way that I've approached it. Okay, it makes good sense. There's a there's a saying out there which uh, which is you become the product of the five of the five people you you hang around with most. So yeah. be selective in your friends, like you said. All right. Yes. Um, Let's see. I have. Uh, uh, I I start out with an empty piece of paper, and I I keep writing more and more notes on it as we <laughs> as we progress. Um, so um, let's see. Yeah, I wanna I want to uh, uh, 
looking at the time as well, about 30 minutes in the interview. And I want to move towards the end of the interview. I've got a couple of questions for you more uh, left. Who is who is your fitness hero? Who do you look up to? Who do you follow? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, so given my interest in science, uh, I really look up to several like uh, uh, exercise science and sports nutrition professors uh-huh. uh, that actually teach this in, in universities or at least have a PhD in it, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, the, I really like, for example, Dr. Eric Helms. Uh, and, and the reason I like him specifically is just because of his rational thinking and um, trying to be quite a critical thinker. Yeah. So uh, not really black and white, but also understanding the context behind every situation. Um, I'd say if I had to pick a fitness hero, I, I'd pick Eric Helms. Okay. Excellent. Great. All right. Um, then, uh, the two last questions, uh, one of, one of, um, which I've prepped you already from your, your, from your business experience in your, I want to burn fat site or, um, your personal uh, situation in terms of being second generation Moroccan living in the Netherlands, being successful as you are. Can you give the audience, can you give us and the audience, um, three tips to become more culturally competent? Yes. So three tips. Um, let me see. So the first one basically is to, um, Try not to be judgmental. Like that's oftentimes a thing that uh, is, is the most easy th- easiest thing to do. Also for me, if I see something and it's not something I'm used to, yeah. uh, just because someone's from a different culture. Um, like I said, like earlier in, in the in the interview, it's not bad or or right wrong. or wrong. It, yeah. It's just yeah, it's just different. Um, so I think that looking at a lot of situations when you uh, get into uh, business situations internationally, looking at it that way, mm-hmm. uh, that perspective will probably help. Um, so for the second one, just kind of think about this. Um, it's kind of uh, these, these are tough questions, to be honest. Okay. Uh, just because a lot of things are, are are coming natural to me, and I don't really, I haven't really thought about them yet. Um, but let's see. If you want to leave it with one, that's fine. You don't have to come to three necessarily. Yeah, no, that's like, I think I can come to them later on, but um, it's basically blank, blank canvas at this point. <laughs> that's, 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 that's fine. That's not a problem. All right. The last question is if people want to get in touch with you, uh, typically your business site, uh, I guess, how can they do that? Yes. Yeah, so uh, I want to burfet.com is where you can read all about my work. Uh, Instagram.com uh, slash I want to burn or just I want to burn on Instagram uh, is where you can find uh, like science, uh, daily science based fitness posts. So uh, that's where you can find my uh, basically my work that I perform every day. And this, this is probably where I where you can find me best. And uh, if you want to reach me on email, that's possible as well. Uh, or if you want to um, speak about uh, some fitness uh, stuff or uh, even when it comes to culture because I'm quite interested in it as well okay. uh, the info at iwannaburnfed.com is a great way to reach me okay got it alright everything noted uh, it'll all be in the show notes with a link to your website where they can find all the information as well thanks so much for um, uh, for getting online and getting on the show um, I'm pretty sure we'll talk uh, to each other in the future very good luck with your studies and your business Yes, thanks so much, Chris. Thanks for having me on. All right, take care. All right, bye-bye. That's it for this week's episode. You can also see the video cast, the recording um, of the podcast, and when you go to culturematters.com slash YouTube. If you, again, if you haven't subscribed, do so to this podcast. That would really help. And also, while you're at it, do give us a rating in iTunes. All right. 
This episode was produced by Janice Sheila. The music was by Ben Sound. My name is Chris Smith. This was the Culture Matters Podcast, and I'll be back in two weeks' time. By the way, last week we had um, Dylan Bodden on the show for the second time, and he talks about culture shock. Should that be of interest to you? That's it for this episode. Culture Matters, making you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. Your host, Chris Smith, has a plan. A plan for people who are looking for a solution.